25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Well, here we are. Hour two has begun on this Wednesday with you in the Farm Bureau studio, connected because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. Hey to y'all. Hope everybody's doing well today. Uh, hello to everyone who's watching the live stream over on Facebook. Tip of the cap over there. We got uh, uh, Shaw watching in Brookhaven on the stream on Facebook. Hey to you. All kinds of folks listening in and around Jackson, Central Mississippi, on WRKS The Zone. Hey to the folks in Vicksburg listening on WVBG and up in Batesville on WBLE and all over the place and even on Periscope and, as I mentioned, uh, on Facebook, too. You can be a part of the show. We'll give you those numbers. Hit me up on the text line. It's 885-ESPN. In five minutes, Jim Dunaway will join us on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Jim is with WJOX. In Birmingham, around-the-clock sports, local. They do a great job, have for years and years. He's one of the hosts of the Jocks Roundtable morning show there on WJOX in Birmingham. And so we'll talk with Jim, my old buddy, Jimmy D. Dunaway. And so that's coming up. Now, I want to jump here to a text from back to Ghost Pepper on the Country Pleasing text line. We were talking about... On this day in 1974, April the 8th, 74, Hank Aaron broke the record. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. The fireworks are going. Henry Aaron is coming around third. His teammates are at home plate. And the great Milo Hamilton on the call there on Braves Radio back in the 70s. So Ghost Pepper said, You can say he is the home run king, but don't ever make the statement that he's the greatest home run hitter. He says, Nobody will ever be better than George Herman Ruth, better known as Babe. Hank Aaron had over... 5,000 more at-bats than Babe Ruth? And then he says, Beaver could hit six home runs in 5,000 Major League (laughs) at-bats. Hold on a minute. You said 5,000 more than Babe Ruth? I'm going to look it up right now. There's this thing called Google. We can look up Babe Ruth uh, stats. We're going to click that one, come back to that in just a bit over at Baseball Reference. And now let's look up uh, Hank Aaron stats. And let's also go to the aforementioned baseball reference. All right. George Herman Ruth. 
215 bats left, throws left from the Bronx in his career. He had 8,399 at bats. 8,399 at bats. 8,399. Hank Aaron. 12,364. So he had more. But it ain't 5,000. Let's be exact here. I mean, well, you know, relatively exact. So uh, just a hair under 4,000 more at bats. He had 3,000 and something more at bats in his career. Career average of 305. Babe Ruth, a career average of 342. So Babe Ruth hit more home runs and fewer at-bats, a better lifetime average. Yep. How do they go back and figure out war? Wins against replacement. Hank Aaron, 143. Babe Ruth, 182. Man, the stats guys. Hank Aaron stole 240 bases. Babe stole 123. You imagine Babe Ruth stealing 123 bases? Who's catching? (laughs) I'd throw him out. (laughs) And I can say that now. Nobody can dispute it. Really appreciate that text, Ghost Pepper. I love to think of things from a different perspective in a different way than what I have before. So Hank Aaron had over 3,000 more at-bats 3,965 more at-bats than Babe Ruth. But you're stretching it. Pepper, when you say that Beaver could hit six home runs if he had that many at-bats, <laughs> I don't know about that. But you got to understand, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who proclaimed and said it proudly on the radio for everybody to hear me that Tim Tebow would never get the bat on the ball. And what'd he do? Yeah. So I was wrong about that, among many other things. There is a guy over in Alabama, though, who's on the radio, has been forever, and television uh, for a long time, who I don't know he's ever been wrong about anything. Let's try him out. He's on your radio right now as we speak. Friend of mine, friend of the show with uh, WJOX in Birmingham, one of the hosts of the Jocks Roundtable in the mornings there on WJOX, Jim Dunaway, right now on the Divinity Phone. Hey, Jim, hope you're doing well on this Wednesday. I'm doing great, blessed, outside uh, at a park, uh, social distancing, way away from everybody, but uh, out here about to do a run. Uh, I have been wrong about a lot of things. Uh, Alabama native Hank Aaron is really good. I think Alabama native Willie Mays is the greatest baseball player of all time. And uh, I saw on your social media that you're not a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneer uniforms. I'm a lifelong Buccaneers fan. Uh, I'm a big fan of the 2002s. I didn't love the cream sickles. Um, I love the 2002s, and I'm so happy we're back to the 02 uniform. Yeah. And I was fired up about them yesterday. Well, so, I, uh, I believe it was lipstick on a pig. Is that what you called it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know how, you know, the uh, obligatory Twitter tease, you kind of know how that works, right? I mean, you know, yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah, see yeah, if yeah, we yeah. can pull somebody in. But I will say, I was so glad to see them change it back to something that's just more. It is palatable a word. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yes. 
this whole the, the alarm the alarm clock numbers the <laughs> alarm clock numbers had to go they were the worst uniforms in the NFL yeah. and that's why I'm happy they went back and I will tell you no longer the worst uniform in the league is Tampa it is now in Atlanta those Falcon uniforms have to be a, a late April fool joke it's horrible horrible <laughs> and we got a lot of Saints fans here who who love that and are happy to agree you know um, I think the worst that we've had in recent years Jim. Of course, the numerals or numbers on these jerseys for Tampa, they're getting rid of now. But remember the double-dip paint job helmets the Jaguars wore there for four or five years? Do you remember those? Oh, I do. That was that was the worst helmet in the league. Um, it reminded me of, was it San Diego State, the Aztecs for, yeah. Aztecs for a while that sort of did that. But at the bottom of the helmet, not, not two-tone, two-dip. Uh, we have a barbecue place here in town. Maybe you guys do as well in Mississippi, that does a half-moon cookie. It's called Full Moon. They have a half-moon cookie where they dip half the uh, cookie in chocolate and the other half is just a bear. I know some do it with vanilla on one side and chocolate on the other, but it's a half-moon cookie, and that's what that helmet always reminded me of. <laughs> the half-moon cookie. That's great. Yeah, they got rid yep. of those. It's, it's crazy to me how these organizations get these random ideas sometimes when – you know, really, the fan base just wants them to look clean and and classic. You know, and bef- before we jump, and we will jump from uniforms, but your your boy Ryan Brown, who's a Dolphins fan, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it's going to take for the Dolphins to listen, but the entire world wants them to just go back to the classic Dan Marinos, and they wear them every now and then, but they won't make them permanent. And that's what everybody wants. Is is Brownie? Yeah. Is he passionate about it like I am? Yeah, uh, he is, um, and I agree with him. And you, apparently, if you feel the same way, because I don't think your logo that's on your helmet should look like the logo that would be on the side of a plane if you're flying in a Caribbean airline. <laughs> and that's what it looks like to me. It looks like it'd be something Air Jamaica or Air, you know, pick another Caribbean island that I can't right now. Um, that's what it looks like yeah. to me. So I agree. Go back to that old school dolphin that I grew up with. And I have a philosophy, you know, uh, um, you know, I'm in a state where Alabama and Auburn don't change a lot. Um, I, I just personally believe that, you know, if you win a championship like Tampa Bay did in 2002, that's probably the uniform you should hang on to. Mm-hmm. The Rams, when they won their Super Bowl in that traditional, you know, good gold and good blue, they the very next year they came out with that horrible blue and gold combination. Why change then? You're Super Bowl champions. Um, mm-hmm. I just I don't I don't understand. Go back to your classic. The one you want a championship in, like the New York Yankees, they don't. They want a lot of championships in those pinstripes, and they don't change it. So don't yep. change it unless you have to. Unless you have to. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Broncos fans, yeah. pile them up, burn them. That's all I'm gonna say. Now we're moving on. Yeah. Now we're moving. Yeah, I agree on. with you. <laughs> Jim Dunaway from WJOX in Birmingham on your radio right now. Jim, um, you guys have a tremendous following for your show, for your station, for that network, for college football in the state of Alabama. That goes without saying. Birmingham is always at the top of every rating for any college and most pro sporting events and all that kind of stuff. So what has it been like during this quarantine, during this shelter in place and the shutdown and cancellation of everything? What has it been like for you guys on your show? Well, you know, we've gone We've gone two different directions on the show, and obviously not at the same time, but 
you know, it's okay to do it at the same time, too. Um, a lot of our show is not based on the games that went on the night before. We're a college football-based show, much like you are, and we spend most of our time looking back at last season or years past and looking ahead to the upcoming season. So, you know, being on day 28 without sports hasn't really disrupted our lives that much when it comes to sports. But then when you have to also factor in that, you know, the community is hurting, not just with the the physical threat of COVID-19, but with the economic impact that it is imposing on our country at this hour. So we try to, you know, offer information at moments, but we try to attack every day in a positive, upbeat way to try to lift people up. Because if you continually look at the negative of what is a massive pandemic, and I would put to use the word disaster too, mm. both in the human toll and the economic toll, that we have decided, okay, we're going to give you the information in our commercial breaks, um, and then everywhere else, we're going to serve as a as an island, if you will, as you're on the stormy seas, we're going to allow you to get out of the boat for a second for four hours and have a little normalcy in the morning. And that's been our feedback every day, Matt, has been thank you guys for, first of all, being on the air from different locations and technically putting up with all those headaches. And then, two, that you're you're doing almost your normal show for us because – that is the only normal I'm getting in my day now. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to school. You know, maybe I'm furloughed and I'm not at work. Uh, maybe I'm losing some money here, this and that, and I need a little bit of normalcy. And if I'm debating on whether or not, you know, Mike Leach or Lane Kiffin is going to have more long-term impact on the recruiting trail, or if Nick Saban really fears Gus Malzahn now, that feels normal to me, and I can get back to the reality at 10 one but until 10 o'clock, you guys get my day started off in a positive way, and that is so important, I believe, in the world today is to find something positive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and it's interesting you say that. That's kind of been a theme on today's show, Jim. Uh, Tim Brando was on in, in Hour 1, and you know Tim's never been short on opinions, but when I asked him, hey, are you a glass-half-full or a glass-half-empty guy regarding, you know, college football coming back and and not only eventually but this fall you know where do you stand and his answer was well you know I, i'm right where i should be I, I i'm a little in the middle but he said i'm not at all glass half empty he said we're going to play football and i believe it'll be back and he said and i think that people need to hear that even though none of us really know for sure we just don't know that it's a long time and we really you know, have a lot of reasons to be positive about that and to to see that, you know, to feel like it's going to come back. So with the preface that it is merely an opinion, yours or mine or anyone else's, we're not, you know, staking claim to being medical experts, but how do you feel? Where do you stand on, you know, your gut feeling about when we may be watching ball games again? Oh, I, I agree with the people that say we will play college football, whether it's uh, September to December, uh, October to January, November to February, however we get it in, we'll play football. That the financial numbers just mean that much to college athletics that we will play football at some point, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be at the end of 2020 or the start of 2021. Um, what I don't understand is the rush uh, on two fronts. One, to proclaim something that's going to happen in September 
that it's not going to happen when it's only April the 8th. Uh, there's no rush to say we're not playing football in September right now. We have a, I believe in our country. I believe, I'm, I'm like you, I'm a faith-based guy that believes our God will empower our people to do amazing things. And I just believe that happens on a, throughout history. The Bible's full of, of uh, obstacles and obstacles overcome. And I believe whether it happens in September or January or March or whenever, that that will happen in this case. And, and Dabo Sweeney believes that. And, you know, through Mike Gundy, we're saying what he says, and he starts getting blasted for it. Mm-hmm. They're really listening to him. He's saying, i got a plan that starts May 1st. That may be two weeks later. It may be, you know, he doesn't go on to say months later, but it may be. But he's got a plan for when he's able to safely come back, and he has to have a plan because that's his job is to have a plan. And I, I believe that, you know, people that are being positive, there are people rushing to pile on them, whether it's Dabo Sweeney, whether it's Mike Gundy, uh, whether, you know, whoever it is, they are rushing to say, well, why are you being positive? Everything is so bad right now. It is bad right now. It is. It is uh, one of the most tragic things that have happened on Earth in my lifetime. But we will overcome this. And, you know, it'll happen in a, at a given time in the future, but we will overcome it. And I don't understand the rush to decide what we're going to do in the future now when it's not now, when it's not the future, and two, the rush to jump on somebody when they're trying to be positive. Yeah. Jim Dunaway on your radio right now. Y'all follow him on Twitter. If you don't already, he's just at Jim Dunaway, one of the hosts of the Jocks Roundtable on WJOX in the mornings in Birmingham. Um, Jim, as it pertains to back to the, the idea of being in radio, do you find it interesting? I've had this thought. You find it interesting that the world is so turned upside down. So many jobs are affected and lost and, and others who are trying to do their jobs from home but can't, yet we almost I, – I, I wonder if you experience the same thing. I almost have a little bit of survivor's sort of like survivor's guilt, if you want to call it that, because being in radio and doing a show it hasn't really changed a whole lot for me. I'm still doing it every day, normally. You know what I mean? And so many others are not able to. You get where I'm coming from? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now you're a little different, right? Your studio's at the house. That's right. right? You have yeah. a, or, yeah. So you're, you're you're not going in around a bunch of people. We never got to that setup yet, mm-hmm. so it's been a little different for us that we're you know broadcasting remotely from different locations. And you know, I, you know, technically we have some hiccups every now and then, but for the most part, it hasn't changed for our listeners. So yeah, there is some guilt, especially when you see you know people that you go to church with mm-hmm. who are who are lost their jobs or yeah. they they've been you know, furloughed for six months or three months or, you know, for two pay periods. And, yeah, and there's a lot of guilt. And I think probably that went on for our grandparents back during the Depression or our great-grandparents, no matter your age. And I think that's going to be normal. But I think what's important is that we, those that are able to continue to work through this and survive on the other side, that we do our job. We create an economy that is robust on the other side so that everyone when this is over with, we can crank this thing back up, get the old American capitalism churning, and we save the local restaurants, the local bars, the local businesses, and we put people back to work. And, you know, I'm not running for senator in the state of Mississippi or anything, (laughs) or here in Alabama. I'm just saying that for everyone, the people that are working and not working, it's on us that when this is all over with and we're able to not social distance anymore and get out of our house, 
that we go and attack the day with great excitement and not worry about what we've lost, but what we can build. And I really think that we can make up for the dollars lost in the past, past few days with what's out there ahead of us, because I think you have a, a country that is eager that when they come out of their houses, that they're going to be able to go back out, go to work with a new sense of, because a new sense of excitement, Matt, because you know, you don't really know what you love until you've lost it or almost lost it. Sure. And I think a lot of people have lost it or almost have lost it. And they're going to, you know, that trip to the lake that may happen five or six times a summer is going to seem a little bit more special now. That one trip to the Gulf Coast or maybe two trips mm-hmm. is going to see a, seem a little bit more special. That night out at a restaurant that may be like, oh, we're going to that same restaurant again, is going to be that much special. And I look forward to those times, and I'm going to attack the rest of my career with that excitement, and I bet the rest of America is too, and we've got great days ahead of us. Well, I love the uh, positivity in the message, Jim, and I really do appreciate it very much here today with you. A little time interrupting your jog. I'm going to let you get back to it, but I'll end with just telling you after this conversation, when they do lift it and let me out of my house... I'm coming to Birmingham. I'm getting a half moon cookie. That's what I want. Do it, man. Do it. It'll it'll, it'll put some calories on you, but do it. Yeah, I'll come run a mile with you. All right, back to it. Back to the track, Jim. Five minute mile. Hit it, buddy. All right. Uh, Fourteen minutes, but yes, I will. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy it. Thank you. See you. Bye. See you, man. Fourteen minute mile. Nothing wrong with that. What else do we have? We don't have some time right now. Why rush? 14-minute mile. I couldn't run one in 44 minutes, I don't think, (laughs) right now. All right. Just getting started with you. Enjoy that conversation. We'll continue Hour 2 on the show in the Farm Bureau studio coming up. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Here we go, back on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Beaver's here. You're here. So we got the whole crew. Hit me up on the Country Pleasing text line, Country Pleasing Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. 885-ESPN. 601 number, 885-ESPN. Text away. Or call me on the Divinity phone, Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. Love to hear from you. We'll chat it up. It's 995-1059. That's the number to call, 601 number, 995-1059. So I just have to backtrack over here to an unnamed texture. I believe this is... I believe that, yeah. Okay, so that's what it is. In reference to Seinfeld, earlier in the show... If you're just tuning in, there was a reference to the fact that on this day, April the 8th, 1998, is when they filmed the final episode of Sent of Punt, Matt, Punt, Back Up and Punt. When they filmed the final episode of Seinfeld. Why was that hard? And I had some crazy idea that I thought there was some episode where Kramer was 
I thought it was he was like making sanitizer in his bathtub and selling it or something like that. And everybody was like, no, you're crazy. Beaver shot it down real quick. Like, I don't know where I came up with that. Well, an unnamed texter said that it was salad in the shower. He made salad in the shower. And he says that's when he had the garbage disposal installed in the shower. <laughs> I didn't remember that. And now I want to look that one up. I got to find that episode. I have not seen that one. I mean, you find it's like hard to believe that somebody my age would have episodes of Seinfeld that we have not seen. It's just that I didn't catch on to I didn't latch on to it like some of my buddies did in high school. I just didn't latch on to it. Honestly, I didn't latch on to it until after it was in rerun, for that matter. I was in college during those final years of Seinfeld. I was just thinking about other things and doing other things. I was not watching a lot of television. So as an adult, caught it via rerun. Yeah. Norman on the Country Pleasing Text says, Matt, another random shelter-in-place nostalgia topic. Did you play video games growing up? He says he did, but it was mostly the sports games. RBI Baseball, 10-Yard Fight, I don't know what that is. Tecmo Bowl, definitely know what it is. And Double Dribble, absolutely know what that is. He said, if you're ever out near Frisco, Texas, they have a national video game museum that is well worth the walk back in time. You know what I discovered, Norman? There's this website. I mean, I mean, you type it in your browser, you can Google it, whatever, but like on your computer, your laptop or your desktop, not your phone. But you go to it and it just pops up on your screen and you can just sit there with your keyboard and play the original Super Mario. <laughs> yeah. It's like the right and left arrow make him run. Okay, the space bar makes him jump. I believe that's right. And then... <clears throat> I think if you hold down shift and then hold the right arrow down, he runs super fast, you know, and then you have to jump, you know, all those different moves. So it's a little hard to get used to when you're like me, you're a child of the 80s, 90s, and you still have the original Nintendo controller muscle memory you know, like burned into your brain. You can't get rid of it. Like you can pick up the controller right now. You hadn't played with it in 20 years. You pick up, you would right where you left off. <laughs> So it's a little hard to go to a keyboard here, right, left arrow, space bar, shift, and all that. But it's still fun to try. It's just fun to see it and hear it. And man, Norman, I threatened to buy the retro Nintendo game they were selling. I think that was last year. And I'm sure they're all over eBay and stuff. I just didn't do it. I didn't buy it. I need to, though, because I want to play with that, that controller. And Duck Hunt hated it. Hated it. Hated it then. Hate it now. And no, I don't, you know, it's not that the dog laughs at you if you miss. It's just that the, the game's stupid. Uh, you know, a gun that supposedly works with your television. I mean, whatever. And it's not accurate. It's not consistent. And ultimately, it's easy. I mean, the duck flies up, boom. So I was not a big fan of that one at all. But there was a bass fishing game I was super... Uh, into hey norman you know what i don't know if it's the same place but i've been to a place that you're it's not a museum 
But in 98, when I was a, a junior on the football team at Mississippi State in 98, and you know that particular season we won the West and played in Atlanta against Tennessee in a championship game, and then our bowl game was in Dallas in the Cotton Bowl against Texas, against Ricky Williams in Texas. And so we're out there for a week leading up to the game. Our team hotel was that big hotel in downtown Dallas. It's like all those stories, and it has the mirror sighting. And if you watch the intro to the show Dallas, you know they have the scene where the helicopter is circling around downtown Dallas, and you can see the reflection of the helicopter in the side of that building? Well, that's the hotel we were in. Literally. You know, it's this none zero exaggeration. Whatever floor I was on, fourth, fifth, sixth floor, out my window of that hotel, I could look directly across the street at the school book depository where Lee Harvey Oswald fired the shot. Directly down to the left, where the entrance to the hotel is, I could look out my hotel window. I could see the X that they have on the street, the spot where John F. Kennedy was shot. Downtown Dallas. Anyway, on that trip, one of the team activities was one night, both Texas and us, they had us go to this big three, four-story building. It's nothing but video games. Just all kinds of video games. And, uh, you know, we were eating and hanging out and playing video games. And, yeah, there was this one game then. You're talking about 98. They had this game where you basically step up onto the deck of a bass boat. You reach down and pick up a rod and reel that's connected via a cable down into this console up there with this giant screen all around you. And you could stand there on the deck of this bass boat Operate the trolling motor, and on the screen, it's moving you digitally, and you find your spot, and you kind of flick the rod and reel, and it casts. And then when you get a bite, there's something pulling on this rod and reel. <laughs> I sat there and played that thing for two hours. Sure did. And there was some cat for Texas who we kind of alternated. I don't remember who it was. But anyway, yeah, I would go back and do that in a heartbeat. Now, that might be the same thing. I just don't remember if we were in... Dallas or in Frisco is basically all the same place. Uh, over here on the Country Pleasing text line, more explanation on the Hank Aaron versus Babe Ruth uh, debate. Unnamed texter says, Babe Ruth, 8.5% of his at-bats were home runs. Hank Aaron, 6.1%. Okay, fine. But what about longevity? Okay, so we're just going to discount longevity? Really? What's Tom Brady if he doesn't stay in shape and he plays for 10 years? That's it. He's pretty good. He's a winner, right? But he's not Tom Brady the GOAT if he didn't stay in shape and he only played for 10 years. Instead, he's played for 20. Right? So longevity is a feather in the cap. We can't just discount that with somebody like, oh, we're just going to discount Hank Aaron because he had 3,900 more at-bats than Babe Ruth. Well, why did he? Maybe he was a better athlete. Maybe he was in better shape. Maybe he took better care of himself. Maybe he's capable of hitting home runs at 40 and Babe Ruth wasn't. (laughs) Am I making you all mad? 
I'm simply pointing out things we have to consider. That's all. I'm not arguing one way or the other. That's just what it is. Uh, Jason in Flagstaff on the Country Pleasing text line says, Yeah, Google the Spanish flu from 1918 to 1920, the last time America wore masks. Then look up what happened for a decade from 1920 on. When people can go back to work within a year, the economy will be twice where it was on March the 1st, 2020. It happened then. Yeah, Squez is telling me that uh, Kramer on Seinfeld was eating chicken in a hot tub. <laughs> what is he? That's right. He was, was it fried chicken? <laughs> That's it. It was chicken in a hot tub. I love the Seinfeld references. Uh, somebody agrees with me on the text line, too. They say, you said it. Tom Brady was in the Super Bowl every other year of his career in New England. Not bad. Thanks for the text. No doubt about it. I, I got to do it. I just have to do it. One more of these. I love them. Especially when it involves my team. The Atlanta Braves had a pretty significant thing that happened one time on April the 8th back in 1994. I'm going to tell you what it is coming up next. Now, I'm just going to let you hear it. Squez says, that's it. He was eating Kenny Rogers chicken. It was Kenny Rogers Roasters. So that's the episode where the lights of the Kenny Rogers Roasters restaurant across the street eventually drove him crazy. Or was it they drove Jerry crazy? I can only remember vague details on this stuff. Babe Ruth played for 22 years. Hank played for 23. How come he didn't get more at-bats, though? It's not like Hank Aaron was playing on, you know, world beaters that were batting around every ball game. All right. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. About to wrap it up with you on a Wednesday. I'm going to play a lot of different sound clips for you here that I found that I like them all. And there's a reason I have each and every single one of them. I'm going to tell you the reason for each and every single one of them right now. First, uh, Beaver, check out Twitter. Jim Dunaway, who was on earlier in the hour, tweeted at me after the interview. And you can watch his video. And it says, always fun jumping on with my Hale State friend, Radio Wyatt. My minutes per mile stat is higher after our talk. And when you click the video, he stopped on his running trail and was chatting it up here with us. And right behind him, there is a sign that says snake habitat. <laughs> and it says something like, watch out for our slithery friends. Like right behind him, snake habitat. I have all kinds of questions. First of all, what is a snake habitat? That's everything. The whole globe is a snake habitat. You can't stick up a sign out here and tell me that one place is more prone to snakes than others. It ain't. Sorry for the incorrect grammar, but I just want to drive the point home. It's not. I mean, so you can't, I mean, 
just because you want it to be a snake habitat, just because you saw one doesn't make it any different anywhere else, especially you're out in the woods. You go out in the woods, stick up a random sign and say snake habitat. You're probably right. What are you doing? You're feeding the snakes. Have you, you got a place that's more conducive to snakes than others? I mean, there's what water there. So that's the first. The other thing is, why are you knowingly having snake habitats? If you see a snake, what should you do to it? <laughs> I'm talking, you know, the poisonous kind. Get rid of it. All of them. Don't need them. Well, Matt, God put them here for a reason. Well, he gave me two hands and a that can pick up a stick for a reason, too. Riddle me that. <laughs> and a shovel or a hoe. <laughs> All right, here we go. On this day in 1994, Kent Merker with a no-no for the Braves. Harris, two for five against Lemke in his career, or rather against Merker. Ground ball to the mound. He should have it. Attaboy, Skip Carey. Just watch. Watch the celebration. No hit the Dodgers in 94. Wasn't that great? That was great. I remember watching that game. I sure do remember it. I had a high school game that afternoon. Went home, watched Kent Merker throw a no-hitter. Um, On this day in 2001, Tiger, a young Tiger, rolled it in. There it is, as grand as it gets. What a way to cap it off. Perfect speed, perfect line. And Tiger has his slam. Something I never dreamt that I would ever see or ever thought that anyone could ever do. I think it's the greatest feat I've ever known in all of sports. Listen, we've talked history before. You have an incredibly keen sense of history. Mm. Why don't you tell us about the Tiger Slam and where it ranks in, in the history of this game. Well, I think, I don't think it's right for me to, to comment on that. Um, I will say this, is that uh, it will probably go down as one of the, one of the top moments in, in our sport. And um, I'm very proud of you know, the accomplishments I've been able to have in, in my short career. He won the Masters. It was his fourth straight major victory. That was 2001 on this day, April the 8th. Mac Brown, North Carolina head football coach, former Texas head football coach. I'm playing you this because he agrees with something I said on this show. You remember what I said about when they go, hey, well, we could have college football without fans. I said, well, explain the logic in that. I, I don't understand the log logic in that. How... It, it's not okay for fans to be in the same venue, but it is okay for 65 players on one sideline and 65 on the other and 22 on the field at the same time out there pushing and shoving each other, spitting on each other, sweating on each other, bleeding on each other, and just basically wallowing all over each other, sneezing and coughing on each other. And the response was, well, you can test the athletes a hundred at a time, that's easier than a hundred thousand fans. Well, I get that. 
but still aren't we aren't still aren't you saying the athletes are in harm's way? I mean, we can either get together or we can't. That and it sounds like it sounds like Mac Brown agrees. I don't think it's safe. If it's not safe for fans, it's not safe for players. They're going to be right next to each other. I mean, they're going to be hitting each other in the mouth and breathing on each other for three and a half, four hours. So um, I, I just don't see that working either way. Mac Brown on the Paul Feinbaum show. I don't think we can have football without fans. I mean, I, I can't even fathom it. Uh, so that's not even something that I think about or, or, or talk about. All right. Here's another one from this show. You heard me say this. I had you the story yesterday about how the NFL is going to remotely have the draft. Everybody's going to conference call in. Every team personnel person, all of them, they're going to be in their own homes. They're all going to be on video chat on Zoom. We're going to have the NFL draft that way. And what did I say? They're going to get hacked. You know it. It's going to get hacked. That's what hackers do. I give you John Harbaugh, head coach of the Ravens. My level of involvement has been every time I read something like the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times that talks about how messed up Zoom is or some of these other deals like we came out this morning, I immediately text it to our IT people. And uh, Nick Matteo is one of those guys. And they assure me that we are we are doing everything humanly possible. And I remind them that uh, that's what Wells Fargo and all those other places <laughs> said about our private information. So I've got some real concerns about that. And uh, hopefully we'll be okay. That's kind of kind of like that, you know. Uh, we'll see what happens. I really wouldn't want the opposing coaches to have our playbook or our draft meetings. That would be preferable. We could stay away from that. This coach just referenced stage coaches. <laughs> Wells Fargo stage coaches getting robbed by Jesse James and Billy the Kid now. <laughs> he said they thought they were safe too. <laughs> oh, I can assure you, coach, we're doing everything in our power. That's what, hey, that's what Wells Fargo thought back in the Wild West. <laughs> I don't know why I get such a kick out of that. The Harbaugh's, man, they crack me up. I honestly, it shows you how weird and and different and against the grain I am and the way I'm sort of made is most of the country has no desire to hang out with the Harbaugh's at all. I do. I want to hang out with them. I find them incredibly interesting. John Harbaugh said, y'all telling me we're going to be safe from hackers doing all you can do? Stagecoaches thought they were in good shape, too. (laughs) Got robbed. (laughs) And they got in. They still got in. I enjoyed that. (laughs) Can you tell? Um, Let me clarify. Yes. So, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron. I got a text from my man, Dan the Coffee Man, from High Point Roasters in New Albany. You hear this, Dan? Listen there. <laughs> That's my Yeti cup. It's still got coffee in it from this morning. Uh, from High Point Roasters in New Albany. I got some new coffee uh, one-pound bags coming to my house. Y'all go to highpointroasters.com. Get yours right now. 
And he texted me and he said, you know, the big thing was Babe Ruth played 22 seasons, Hank Aaron played 23, but they played fewer games when Babe Ruth was playing. He said Babe Ruth played about 113 games a year. Hank Aaron played 143. So you multiply that times over 20 seasons. Now we got a big difference in the number of games and all that kind of stuff. So there's the discrepancy. It really would have been easy, Dan, for a second grader to figure it out. But it's me you're dealing with here. So you realize you have to spell it out in a text, and I appreciate it. What is this? Somebody text me and says, okay, let's see here. Oh, that's the same thing. We already read Kenny Rogers' chicken. Babe, 46 home runs. Hanks, 37. I think they are both great home run hitters. I think the numbers just show that they played in two different eras. Yeah, that's it. They definitely played in, in two different eras. And it's hard to compare guys across different eras. Isn't it Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Well, I mean, Michael Jordan was six foot six, what, 190 pounds? I mean, LeBron James is six foot eight, 240. <laughs> it's hard to compare across eras, but all you can do is compare a guy to his own era. That's all you can do. Okay, that wraps it up for today. I appreciate all of you. Thanks for watching, listening tuning in, commenting and calling, and so on and so forth. And we'll do it again tomorrow. Same time here on The Zone, 12 to 2, in the Farm Bureau studio. See you then. 